0: House of Mystery presents Inside Writing, the radio show where authors discuss their writing process in all genres. Welcome back to the House of Mystery, and of course, I'm Al Warren. Uh, joining me today, we've got uh, a Canadian writer. Look out! Um, the new book, the newest book, is called Wild, Not Broken. It's the Hearthstone Book Two. And uh, our guest is Sarah Caddis. Thank you for being here.
1: Thanks for having me, Al.
0: You're welcome, um, Sarah. How's it going?
1: <laughs> uh, actually, it's going great. I uh, uh, this morning I was hammering out uh, another book, so yeah, it's it's going good. Thank you.
0: Well, hammering. So, what what happens to you? Um, does does just something come to you unplanned? and that's kind of where you start the the book process in your head
1: sometimes yeah actually sometimes like a, a flicker or flash of a scene will come to mind and i'll think oh that's kind of cool like that would make a kind of a funky scene and then um and then i just i just sit with it and and then well that's actually the kernel of the idea for this whole series actually started um I used to do a lot of archeology span work, including helicopter surveys in pretty remote places up North. And, and if the helicopter doesn't pick you up, you have to stay overnight in the bush. And like, we carry some, um, you know, some, some gear with us should that have to happen. But there was one time we were in a large crew and, and I was the second batch, you know, that was going to be taken out and, and it was getting pretty late and snow was coming in and I'm like, Oh God, that would suck if I had to, yeah. If, if the last two of us had to stay out in the bush and, um, and I actually met my husband on an archaeology dig. And so I thought, well, what if you, you know, if somebody you stayed in the bush with, you actually liked and like wouldn't mind, sp- you know, spending the night in the <laughs> bush with. And like, and that's how the story's just like they avalanche from, you know, random stuff like that. So yeah. So when, when it, when I say hammering out, like when a a scene comes and you just kind of run with it. um, I love that. I love that um, being on that frequency. um, It's pretty fun. That's when you lose time, you know, you, yeah, you're just in the zone, which is awesome.
0: Well, so your characters, not only just the scene, but maybe your characters come to you that same way.
1: You know what? Yeah, actually they do. Um, And I've, I was actually just chatting with some other writer friends of mine um and this might sound weird to your listeners or completely normal um sometimes writing for me feels like channeling the the characters are so vivid and and they really do they really do talk in my head like they they're um, insistent and and some of the secondary characters are sometimes so insistent and let me know that they're gonna have their own story you know in the future and and whatnot um so yeah it feels like these characters feel so real that it sometimes it feels like I'm channeling instead of making stuff up in my head
0: no I' um, I've, heard, I've yeah. heard that before a lot of fiction writers will say that and and I always sort of think that they're schizophrenic but that, that's, <laughs> you
1: know that's yeah, yeah I wondered I have wondered about that too like if we were to explain you know I guess the symptoms that we're experiencing outside of something like creating literary art, yeah, what would a doctor, a psychologist, what would they assign? You know, oh, from those symptoms, you know, this is what you're experiencing. But in the context of literary art, um, yeah, the we assign. Oh no, this is just this is just my process. Um, yeah, but yeah. They're,
0: well, they're not they're not telling you to go out and do weird things, are they?
1: No, they're telling me actually share this with the world so that <laughs> actually share this with the world so people get along. That's what. Um, that's actually, I guess, a, a kind of underlying thread, even though they're thrillers. Um, I write eco-thrillers, and and that underlining thread, even though there's a lot of tension and a lot of really bad stuff that happens, there's um, just that currency of hope, um, or a current of hope, I should say, that runs through. Um, yeah. Well, that's, that's interesting. I like it. You
0: know, I, I guess, in a, in a sense, that's kind of your subtext. That's kind of a... Um, Totally. Yeah. Something you hope people take away from the book is some sort of a, um, thought or an an idea like this We're getting along, for instance, I just talked to a sci fi writer that uh, that does that quite often. And it was very interesting to hear his points, um, and how he did it subtly without people really spotting it so much. They just sort of get it from the story. Um, But so so you're doing the same thing, sort of. So do do you have that first, or do do you have the story first?
1: Um, actually, I'm what's called a pantser, so I sit down and see where the characters take me. I can usually pantser a a book, a a novel, to like fifty or sixty thousand words. So I, I guess it's just um. I guess it's just part of it's just part of my writing voice is I like it, there has to be those, those layers of, of hope and, and connection and working together and and cooperation. Like, that's just, that's just part of who I am that, that even though these characters talk to me and they, and they take me on this wild ride and they, they kind of, um, they dictate what, you know, what I'm supposed to be writing about. Um, the part that, that is me is that, um, that social responsibility within novels, um, yeah, and to have to lead us into, I guess a more a more beautiful, a beautiful gentle place, um, yeah, in harmony. Which is really funny to have a thriller, you know, want to lead readers in that direction. But that's that's me. That's my writing voice. That's my jam.
0: Well, I would imagine that that contrast makes it more real. Like if, it's like putting comedy into a horror, in a sense. Not that that's what you're doing, but the contrast helps you get through it.
1: You know, yeah, actually, that that totally makes sense. And, and when you, I also feel that that'll, it, it gives readers an emotional toehold, you know, like, to, to navigate the story and climb, you know, climb the story with me, so to speak, um, and go through the twists and turns and, and have those emotional, but also visceral reactions to what's going on, um, and to care, right? Like, Writing 101, how do you make your reader care? You know, well, they have to be emotionally invested in the characters, just like we should be emotionally invested when we're writing them. Um, And, yeah, it's just actually I love I love writing. It's such a beautiful exercise of of exploring, um, actually of exploring the human condition in lots of different um, facets and 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 like turning things around and, and seeing perspectives and motivations from different points of view and and seeing how people make the decisions they make and like what motivates them and what are catalysts that we what, that we work to and what are our triggers um yeah i actually i write to understand the world around me too so these characters even though they're ta- like they're dictating the story to me they they really are helping me understand the, the world around me
0: well do you have any answers for me <laughs> oh.
1: <laughs> well i guess the one thing i would say um they are eco thrillers. The environment's super important to me, but so are, um, people, right. And like, um, functioning economies and, and, and our planet. Um, so I guess I, I love to write the eco thrillers that I write because they're not apocalyptic, right? Like we've, I've been on a lot of panels, um, where, the, you know, eco fiction panels and, and most of the other writers wrote like post-apocalyptic stuff. And, and I, I understand like that's their jam and, and, that's cool. But I just know that I, I wouldn't even know where to start. Like I wouldn't know where to go in that direction. Like I have to go, I have to leave. I have to have these characters um, take me someplace positive. Right. Like that's just, again, how I'm wired. Um, yeah. So yeah. So you're,
0: you're, you're in essence, you, you can have kind of the same story as someone like that, you know, uh, ap- apocalyptic, you know, post, uh, but you're 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 in your mind people are going to make it through it it's not going to be disaster it's it's just a challenge that we get through and we'll get through
1: yeah for me it's it's um well i guess i doing environmental consulting um for as many years as i have i've worked with a lot of environmentalists and i've worked with a lot of oil companies right and so instead of seeing them as like these two you know Fierce competitors, you know, at odds and trying to conquer the other. I'm like, dude, why can't we just look at this as, huh, we do have a global energy crisis. Let's work together and put all of our best people on it. And all of our best people means putting all of the people within all the industries where energy is, is, you know, is is the industry, right? Like we have to listen and work together, um, listen to each other and work together instead of just fight. To me, I'm like, Oh my God, don't waste my time. Solutions, people, solutions. So,
0: um,
1: which I know that I know that doesn't, um, that doesn't make sense to a lot of people, but for me, yeah, I'm, I'm not interested in fighting. I'm interested in moving forward, and and my characters are super pragmatic, and they want to move forward, too. And sometimes they stumble, but they also reserve the right to learn and grow and, and listen to another's perspective and change their mind and, and work together. So, yeah, like I said, it helps me understand the world around me. I,
0: I guess you're like Greta Thunberg, blah, 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 with <laughs> all the people just talking, telling you it's like blah, blah, blah. I want to hear the results, not blah, yeah. blah, blah. I, I get that sort of. I do. I think it's funny, but I think that um, doesn't doesn't it seem like an uphill battle with the older generation so set in their ways?
1: Um, that's a good question, and there I would actually say for my in my experience there are as many of the older generation ready and willing to like roll up their sleeves and let's be willing to change as there are the younger generation not, right. you know, wanting to stick with the status quo. So in my experience, actually, it's been, um, it, it has been different. There's been, you know, lots of people of all generations willing to consider changes and alternatives and like, okay, well, how do we make this work? And there's also been, younger folks going, I don't want to change. Like, this is how I, you know, this is what was promised to me and I don't want to have to, to pivot from that. Um, Yeah. But, but I'll be honest, I'm kind of weird, weird artist, So my circles might not be what other folks are. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah. So I, and I feel that we can learn so much too from older generations, right? Just like we can learn from youth. Man, what I learned from my daughter. Oh my goodness. Like, it's amazing. And when I volunteered in, in different classrooms over the, you know, over the years, like, gosh, I'm just I'm floored how much I learn from people younger than me, the hope they inspire within me, but also how much I learn from my elders and the people older than me who are willing to share their life lessons with me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think the surprise in the younger is we did. We were probably that way when we were that age but what happens is we we grow up and when you see your younger daughter for instance um doing and saying some of these things you kind of you're blown away because it's like wow that it brings you back to being young and then take it from that point of view um i think this is really an important thing too like you had a lot of years dealing with this whole um climate situation and, and the and the earth and and energy solutions and stuff you were saying so i i'm guessing that this is a very important part of your stories
1: yeah it is um where i currently live now um is that, is in western canada in a province called alberta and alberta it's uh <laughs> <laughs> there is, what's uh, the best way to explain it's this to you? It's the Houston American of listeners. America, we call it. It is, yes, that is actually a great way. Yes, it's yes. the Houston of America. And I actually was born and raised in the States, um, yeah, in the American Midwest and and have lived in a lot of places in Canada. And and Eastern Canada doesn't understand Western Canada, much like I suspect that different parts of the U.S. don't necessarily, re- you know, understand other parts of the U.S. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it is, and when um, I have friends, in other parts of Canada and also outside of Canada who are like, why are you in such a conservative, like, (laughs) you know, conservative (laughs) province and, you know, you know, hell bent on keeping things this, you know, the way things were and, and clinging to oil and this, that, and the other thing. And actually what, again, I might run in different circles, but like the circles I run in are like, okay, let's rock this hydrogen thing. And, you know, how do we pivot? And, um, oh my God, the wind in southern Alberta—it is so strong, which apparently is beautiful for uh, uh, wind farms, right? So like, and the sun—how many days that we get sunshine out here? It may get like the prairies get crazy cold, but man, we are blessed with sun. Um, so yeah, there there are major conversations in this province that the rest of Canada and, and maybe even many parts of the world consider super conservative and stuck on oil. Um, yeah, there are a lot of there are a lot of people in Alberta that that just are moving forward. Like, whatever. I don't care what the headlines say. I'm going to hit hydrogen. I'm going to do the wind farms. I'm going to do the solar energy. Also minimizing um, just the amount of resources required, that sort of thing. So, yeah, it's important for me to include, I guess, to share a part of Alberta, because my my books are very, I'm going to say land-based. Like, the land has had such a huge influence on me, impact on me. And living in Canada has had a huge impact on me that I want to share that with people. And I also want to share part of this province I've lived in for 16 years that people don't, they don't see the Alberta that I see and live every day. Do I get frustrated with stuff I hear on the news and different things that different folks in power decisions I make? Of course I do. But again, it, so I write books of how I want it to be, you know, with brighter futures and, and transitioning and pivoting responsibly and reasonably and where everybody can, can pivot together right instead of leaving people behind
0: okay so now now you can tell us the truth right you you actually get on social media and you get really mean to these people that (laughs) do the things wrong you know what under a different character (laughs) you're 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 someone totally different and you get on and it's like and you talk to like right premier kenny and it's like no you don't (laughs) you can't do that you know i can see it
1: i have had people who have Literally moved out of the province because they have sent letters to their representatives here and have not um, been like the response was so critical that they were like, oh, my God, I can't live here anymore. So I've actually had friends who have moved out of the province um, for that. I can say that I actually have a, a social media rule that spread joy. Right. Stay on brand, stay on point and spread joy. And if my brand is like a better tomorrow by making today cooler and, you know, making good decisions today, then, yeah, I have to I have to be kind and gentle and, and not engage like that. Although that would be funny, like the alter ego of Sarah, like,
0: <laughs> yeah, Sarah so, so, snaps <laughs> <laughs> some evil woman in a computer just going crazy on people. I could see it. Well, I agree. <laughs> but I am um, I'm very on social media, I'm always posting joke things, funny things, <laughs> cute animals, plus the show and stuff, because I, I I don't get into any of that stuff on social media because re- I want people to look at it and laugh. I don't yeah. want them to look at it and go, oh, yeah, or I don't want to kind of trigger some sort of a, a fight or argument about this character or that person or what this person did or said. There's so much of that going on right now. Yeah. I, I, there's It's just like post something that's funny, or my my dog, you know, something that they <laughs> did that's funny. Because if they get if I get a few people laughing, it's better than
1: you know what. Yeah, because that laughter matters, and that laughter has a ripple effect. I truly believe that 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 smile that you generated, that laughter that you inspired, has a ripple effect. So the decisions that people will make in their day, I feel, will be positively impacted by you sharing that joy in the world.
0: I hope so. You know, I really, really do want people to laugh. I don't want them to be upset. And there's so much, you can find that, that fighting on so many places. Now.
1: It's very easy to find that if you want it, it's super easy. It's harder (laughs) to curate your list, your, uh, your feed to solutions or, or like, yeah. And I, I, I I guess I also want to say like, I totally understand, um, social warriors who really feel passionately about something and really want to help the world move into positive directions. Like I do, I do recognize that, that there, that that is good, that we have passionate people wanting the best possible world. Um, I just know that my way of contributing to the best possible world is actually writing the books I write that will hopefully inspire people and to maybe consider another point of view or, or be kinder to their, you know, neighbor or their teacher that day or, or whatever, you know? Mm. Um, yeah, that's, so my contribution is the the type of books I read. And I'm also, I'll be honest, I'm a little bit older. So social media and I are like, (laughs) Oh man, like, Oh, I, it just doesn't come as natural to me as, as, um, as a lot of my friends and a lot of my younger Yeah. Yeah. Friends or colleagues.
0: Yeah. 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 uh, You mentioned how the land is important. So when you're writing a book, are you writing like um, the scene, the setting, the place that you're writing about? Is it a character, too?
1: For me, it is because for me, it has such a it has such a it's a it's a very grounding character. Right. Um, Yeah. For me, it is a character. And it's it's wise and grounding. Um, Yeah, it is. And for me, when I write and I don't want it like. Pace is super important to me in my books, because like most people, my attention span has shrunk as the Internet keeps (laughs) providing faster things for us to to, you know, check out and witness and consume and whatnot. So I've noticed my attention span has shrunk and my ability to read fiction books. Um, with slower paces is is actually really hard for me now, way harder than it was, you know, when I was growing up or, or even 10 years ago. So my pacing, I really want to keep quick. So when you, when I, I want to share the land with people and have people viscerally experience as they're, you know, wrapped up in the, in the, in the world of that I created within the story, I want them to experience it, but also like, um, but not slow the pace down. Right. So, yeah. So finding that sweet spot of like enough, enough words that really anchor the reader in, in, in the landscape, but also still, you know, keeps the story moving forward at a, at a brisk pace. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 Now, so I, I noticed, okay. Now, when you write this, this is a series, right? So that we're talking yeah. book two. So is it, I, I know you said you pants So. Before you attack a series like this, like when you were on book one, did you know this was going to be a series? Do you have it all kind of, kind of in your head somewhat?
1: Uh, that is such a great question, and the answer when no, when I wrote book one, I didn't know it was going to be a series. Um, but I started writing, I I started writing book one, and then I also started writing book two and book three and book four. Book four I actually thought was going to be a short story. So this was, um, I started this series, I want to say like eight or 10 years ago. Yeah. So, yeah. And I, I thought these, they were going to be like standalone books, but then I realized that, that no, these characters needed to be um, a cohesive family and a series. So I had the starts of four of the books. Um, so even though I pants I had the starts. So I... Well, I don't know the. I don't I guess I don't know the, the language to say I pants the books. But then I had like this. I knew what I had to weave in to to like link the four books. Um,
0: right. So yeah. I kind, kind of know the ending. You kind of know where you're going to, but you have to get there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And actually, it's funny because because I'm so keen on letting the characters drive um, the end of book. Was it the end of book three? Yeah, book three is coming out the end of June. The When the end of book three happened, I I actually burst into tears because I'm like, oh, my God, <laughs> what do I do now? Like, oh, my God, it was so like, what am I going to do with book four now? Because the characters took me to a place I wasn't expecting them at the end of book three. And I also want each book to be satisfying as a standalone, right? Because sometimes you, you encounter a series and, you know, like not the first book, but like the fifth book or whatever.
0: Yeah. So I
1: want each, each individual book to be satisfying as a standalone, but also be super satisfying if you read them in order for those um, readers and fans who want to read them in order. Yeah, so it's uh, there are some rewrites that need to happen. <laughs> so, um, And I actually wrote book three Called, which is not an easy truce. That's releasing um, the end of June this year. I wrote book three before I wrote book two because the characters of book three were chatty. They were chatty, and the characters of book two are like, uh, "We're just going to be quiet for a bit." So I'm like, "Oh, okay." So this this series, I've written each book like parts of each book um, in no sequential order. <laughs> which mm. is not the most efficient way to do things. And other writers who listen to this are be like, oh, my God, woman, you're crazy. Yeah. Yes, but, again, my process is not linear, and, and I let the characters drive and, um, and trust that they'll take me someplace awesome.
0: You're really stressing out some of those other writers right now. <laughs> <though>.
1: <laughs> you know, yeah, I've given, um, I've actually, like, co-taught workshops with people who are meticulous plotters. And, man, do I have awe shock and awe at the meticulous plotters of the crowd, you know, like, Oh my goodness. Cause I, I tried it and it was, um, the worst like seven months of my life. <laughs> so that was, that's when I really tried to fit, you know, I tried to fit in the, in the hole that wasn't me. And,
0: uh,
1: yeah. Well, they're biting
0: it. their nails right now. Just so I know. know.
1: I don't mean to stress <laughs> you guys out. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> it's, it's funny. Um, yeah. Now, okay, so the, what do you, your main character is Lillian Morgan, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so how much of you goes into Lillian? Like, what, what part of you goes into Lillian?
1: You know what? That's, the, that's a good question. I um, do this
0: for a living, so.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's such a good question. Well, maybe because she does stuff that I think would be neat, like right. um, being a courier for mi 6 that sounds super fun. Um, being a war correspondent sounds terrifying. Super important job, but also super terrifying. Um, I guess how she, like, the rewilding that she goes through, yeah, I guess that's how I resonate, because it feels, writing this series has kind of felt like a renaissance within me, because um, I've been right like, my first novella was released in oh nine, so, like, for years, this has, you know, I was dabbling with writing and it and I just like really kicked it into high gear um in the last few years. So yeah, I guess um I guess I love that she just kinda went for life well, she kinda had to, I guess. <laughs> she kinda <laughs> had to. Um yeah. So um I guess the rewilding and for me it's been a renaissance. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So what what was it? What was that thing that happened to you? Um that initiated having the courage to actually write and let other people see it and have it published. I mean,
1: oh, like back in 2009?
0: Yeah, whenever it happened for you, what is yeah. it? Can you pinpoint kind of what it was that made you, and I say yes. this courage, or I say feel brave enough to. To publish, because when you publish something, there has to be a certain amount of courage because it's not just letting your family or friends or yep. coworkers see it. We're talking about you put it on there and everybody and their dog can pick up your book and then read it and say something yeah. about it.
1: Yeah, I still every single time I submit a manuscript to my publisher, I, I physically feel like I'm going to be ill because <laughs> it's putting yourself <laughs> out there. Even though this is what I want to do, it's still, yeah, I still get that um so that never goes
0: away just so you know I've done 26 books and I still feel nauseous when I do it so
1: you know what part of me is delighted because that means that you still care right like it still matters and the other part of me is like oh man like in my old day jobs like you get used to things and you you know right because you just Yeah. yeah that's funny um so I guess I can pinpoint it um I've always been a voracious reader, and writing was always something that other people did, you know. And and I and I gobbled it up, and I enjoyed it. And it wasn't until a published author friend of mine, I, my husband and I had, we used to move around a lot between you know archaeology digs and, and school and stuff. Running like
0: that. from the
1: law? Not quite. No, <laughs> never that. Running to the next next tent village, maybe, <laughs> but never the law. Okay. Um, although I did write a a nonfiction book with a active duty homicide detective, but that's another story. Um, yeah, I had a, uh, I was chatting with a friend after we, that we worked together at a bookstore of all places. And uh, she a published author, she was talking about an anthology that she, you know, was part of where all the authors, you know, look at the same picture, write a story about it, tickety boot. And I thought, oh, you know, that's cool. That's neat. The next over the next month, a story started popping around in my head from the the picture she described. I didn't even see the picture. She just described it. And then the next time we were chatting on the phone again, this was years ago. So, like way before texting and, and direct messaging and stuff like that. Chatting on the phone with her again. And, and I happened to mention it and she's like, Oh, you should try writing it. And I'm like, But I'm not a writer. And she's like, How do you know? Have you ever tried? I'm like, no. So I tried writing a novella and submitted it to the anthology that that she was part of. And it got accepted by this, a small press, Eastern U.S. press, and um, yeah, that, that, that toehold, and, and I know I mentioned toeholds before, it's amazing what happens when you get the smallest toehold, how that can, like, get, let you reach something that you didn't even think you wanted, right, or didn't even know was possible, and so that, that initial public, you know, publishing of, of that first novella, that first manuscript that I wrote, made me realize how much I loved writing, that it was super fun. And then I wanted to learn more and like do more and keep going at it. So yeah, that's, that was that moment. Um, yeah. And, and like, to this day, I'm so grateful for that friend. And she's like, Sarah, like, you're the one that wrote it, <laughs> yeah, but either. she, but she, but she introduced me, she gave me that opportunity. And, and that's one of the things I want to write in write into my books. And sometimes people are like, do coincidences really happen like that? I'm like, yes. You know, coincidences happen or like those those boosts up that you can give another person or other people give you, like those moments in your life where you're like, holy crap, my life changed right there. That, that moment was, you know, changed my life. Um, and that yeah. moment, what she did completely changed my life.
0: And now that you're a big star, you don't talk to her anymore, right? She's blocked.
1: Actually, I do. I always, I always, yeah, I always send her that Christmas email, like reaching out. Yeah. No. no and I, no. yeah, it's so funny. I, I can tell she's like, you know, rolling her eyes like, Sarah, quit thanking me. It's been years. Yeah. But, uh, well, but it mattered cool. to me. It matters.
0: Yeah. It's good to stay in touch like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I think so. But, um, yeah. well, that's interesting. So it, it seems like, um, your creations your books are very important to you and at the end of it so when you send it into the publisher and you get over your morning sickness (laughs) um and and it gets accepted and it's going to be you know published and go through that it comes out what does each book bring to you how does it change you do you think
1: actually each book each book adds to my confidence and i remember. I'm active in our, in like our local writing scene and, and we have a a major um, international conference writing conference here. Um, And I remember there was a woman who was sitting in the audience and she looked over and she recognized me because she actually had heard me present, you know, and she's like, what are you doing here? And I'm like, what? Like, are you kidding? Like you never stop learning. Like that's why I love this medium. You never, you never stop learning. And, and it's just something that you keep, you can keep getting better at and you can keep exploring different nuances. And that I love this medium for that um, because you can keep growing. And so each book that I write um, adds to that, um, I guess, my backstory and confidence to keep to keep going and, and to take more artistic risks. And um, yeah, so, it, and you're right. Each book doesn't matter very deeply to me. Um, yeah. And I share, I share a lot about myself with the writing and I try to really include a lot of heart and soul into it because I want readers to have the best possible reading experience they can have. So yeah, I guess each, uh, each book um, just adds to that my backstory and, and the confidence to keep, pushing boundaries and grow as a writer and grow as a human being.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's important to be real and share a lot of your own, um, feelings, emotions, thoughts, and stuff in your books. But, but in today's world now, now that we've got, um, social media the way it is and everybody Mm -hmm. and their dog again can just, um, message you or give you a review. And it's very simple to be, um, have interaction with writers now. And I, and I think so when you share things that are very personal, Mm -hmm. um, is it, is it kind of hard to take criticism on, on, let's say, um, someone that writes something, let's say not the best about your book or about a story or something that you find is very important, but yet to them, they thought, oh, this is terrible. This couldn't be real. I don't believe this character or something. Does that sort of make you feel a little exposed or a little bit, does that sort of get to you or.
1: Yeah. I think the first, the initial rawness that I feel when I release a, book, you know, send the manuscript in knowing like, okay, the train has started. Yeah. You know, like um, I think that initial rawness helps me cope with the rest of it. And when I do, when I do hear negative, negative, negative feedback or, a review that it didn't resonate, you know, with somebody like it was supposed to. A few things come to mind. One, they're not my target demographic. Like, um, if I were to read, um, I don't know. I'm just trying to think of a genre. Like, if I, I'm not a, I don't, I don't gravitate towards YA books. I know they're huge. I know that is a huge, huge market, huge genre. It's not my jam. And so having me, you know, comment on somebody's YA book, I'm like, that's not really fair, because I'm not your target demographic. So whether I loved it or hated it is actually irrelevant, right? So because I'm not the author didn't write the book for me. So when I have gotten negative feedback, um, I just I actually remind myself that the book wasn't meant for them, right? Like you can't be all things to all people. And I've been so fortunate to have really beautiful, beautiful fans that have told me how much my books do mean to them and have made a positive in, you know, impact in their lives. And, and well, well hopefully like we
0: get that change for you. We'll get some, get some <laughs> real brutal people saying something. Another real,
1: person but... said she's like, oh, my God, I have street cred now. Like when she got her first, <laughs> like, one-star review, yeah. she was like, I now have street cred because I've got, like, um, yeah, so for her, it, yeah, it was kind of a celebratory thing too. Well, you know, because so. well,
0: it brings reality. Because, like, when you have one person say one star, this is the worst written book. you yeah. I, I, yeah, this this guy couldn't pass high school. You know, yeah, he'd get a D in high school with this in English. And then the next person gives it a five star and say, "Oh my God, you know, I, I, I'm head over heels. This is great." Yeah. You start yeah. to realize that that's kind of reality.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know? Yep. People that and that's, love you,
0: people that hate you, you know, it's just kind of there.
1: Yeah, and I and that's actually why I've also I made a I guess a an internal rule with myself that I wouldn't leave starred ratings unless it was at least three stars. Yeah. You know, because yeah. if I didn't like a book, I you know, like so. <laughs> so I just I just have a, you know, I guess a personal, you know, choice that I that I wasn't gonna leave anything, you know, below three stars. Um and to be honest, I usually only leave rad- ratings if it's four or five stars, you know, like, and that I can positively contribute, you know, I, I enjoyed this book because, yeah, not I hated this book because, because to me, that's, why would I actually spend the time to write that?
0: You know, I remember my mother saying, don't, if you don't say anything if you can't say it nice. And I thought, you know, that might be really old and I might be really old, but I think that. the the truth is, you know, you pick up a book or you look and, and I didn't care. And you just kind of throw it aside. And Mm -hmm. just like, if you watch a TV show, I don't go on Netflix and something's on and then I get on and start sending them a review of, I don't know, I guess I'm not really that you like something great. If not just turn the channel. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so I guess, um, I, I do recognize that people want to be heard and, and I, I suspect though I'm, I am, not a psychologist or professional in the, in, in that field. But I suspect when people do leave those things, it's because they they're not feeling heard in other parts, you know? And so they're like, well, darn it. People are going to hear me here. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. And, and that's with the internet for better or for worse, you know, that's, that's each person's individual prerogative.
0: Um, I always sort of, I always find out who they are, hunt them down and have them (laughs) terminated. That's that's,
1: that's just how you roll.
0: (laughs) Just, you know, I mean it's case closed, done. They'll never Close. write another review. That's it. Done. It's over. That's done. 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 And then well oh. the, you see then, then you take them and you mm-hmm. put them as a really nasty character in your book and you have them die a terrible death. <laughs> just I'm just giving you ideas for Just ideas. Book. You know yeah. what?
1: I have heard that from several other authors how they love writing um yeah, one of the reasons they love writing is to include those sorts of things.
0: In their I, you know, I've had that. I've had some big writers. J.D. Horn is a big writer, New York Times yeah. bestseller, and he said that someone will cut him off in an aisle and be rude to him. He'll mm-hmm. take that character and he'll make <laughs> sure that they suffer in his book, right? And I'm thinking, this is fantastic. You know, in a way, it's therapeutic. Sounds cathartic. Yeah, yeah. sounds cathartic. You know, cathartic. It, it's working it out. I think it, yeah. it might be a good thing. At first, I thought, oh, that's crazy. But yeah. Over the years, I'm starting to think, well, maybe this is a huh. good way of actually working out yeah. these emotions, this anger, without yeah. actually hurting anybody.
1: Like constructively cathartic, where, yeah, it mm. doesn't hurt or damage anyone. But, exactly. yeah, you get it out of your system. You yeah. it so out. You don't
0: and, hang on. Yeah. Then yeah. No yeah. that's interesting. So where do your characters all come from? Like, not the main ones, but all those mm-hmm. side characters, the ones that are in and out and have smaller roles.
1: You know what? I love... I love people, and I love watching people, and I love traveling, and I, and living, actually, I've lived in three different countries, so being able to just witness people going about their day, you know, minding their own business or not minding their own business, you know, like, to me, it's just, it's a really beautiful exercise to just observe people around me. And so secondary characters often are from observations around me. I will, I will share that a lot of my secondary characters from Wild Not Broken and also Not an Easy Truce kind of spun out of my experience writing that nonfiction police memoir with the homicide detective. Um, that was a really dark project for me to work on. And people are like, Sarah, you like you don't read true crime books. You don't watch Corey movies. Like what in the world were you thinking doing this project with, with him? Um, but for me, I knew that I could, he wanted somebody like a, he called me a tempered soul, you know, to like um, take his, what he wanted to communicate and message and, and share it. So um, yeah, so that was a really challenging, worthwhile, but super Dark project for me, and I learned a lot about um, actually law enforcement and emergency services and people having the worst day of their life. Actually, I I was exposed to something, and we talked earlier about peeking behind the curtain um, before the show started. Um, so I I had a chance to look behind a curtain I'd never seen behind before, and so that experience w- actually was more traumatic for me than I had anticipated and so um writing you know the the next two books in the series um helped me process that for right sure right. yeah you're, so you're still
0: hearing voices and i'm
1: still drinking. hearing voices yeah <laughs> and drinking yeah wine beer scotch still still so working it. through it right but
0: it's <laughs> yes. this process it keeps going yeah.
1: yeah i actually started studying buddhism during it because i knew that um i needed to refine my center and uh, yeah which is really funny cuz the uh, Homicide detective that I was working with, he looked at like the look on his face <laughs> when I'm like, you know,
0: yeah.
1: I'm too, I'm, I'm too stressed out, and because I'm like, as far as he's concerned, I'm like the most chilled out person in his sphere, right? Yeah. And I'm like, uh, no, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, but different yeah. world, different, different
1: worlds. different worlds, yeah.
0: Well, it's interesting too. And this book came out, you said in January of this year, mm-hmm. so I'm thinking that a lot of the process was happening over the COVID and yes. COVID lockdown and stuff. So, and I'm just wondering, and I asked this of a lot of writers in different types of writing, that how do you think this influenced your writing? And do you think that that seeped into your writing somehow during the process?
1: Yes, it did. Actually, uh, COVID makes, or post-COVID, post-pandemic makes an appearance in Book 3 and actually one of my beta readers she commented on, Oh, like, and like I mentioned, like I wrote book three before I wrote book two. So this was like a year ago that, you know, she did the beta read for me and, and for her, it was, Oh my God. Like I, she wasn't expecting to have a post pandemic reference in a, in a, in a book so soon. Um, and for me, like, again, it's me- I write to help me understand the world around me. And so having, um, and Travel is super important to me. I love seeing new landscapes. I love watching the sun come up and and set in different places and, and hearing different accents around me and tasting different food. And, and with COVID, with the pandemic, I, I didn't do that for two years. And it was that part of it was, um, very upsetting to, uh, it was very upsetting to me because those are things I really, really value as a life experience or, you know, I guess a way to live life. Um, so it did seep in. And if, um, yeah, if these two books were darker than, than the first one. Um, and I suspect it's again, like those pandemic blues, when you're just like, Oh my gosh, the world, like the world is sad right now. and And I certainly felt it just like, like so many others did. So, yeah, I would say, um, also, the needing to write about um, people from other countries coming together, right, like coming to north america and, and that sort of thing, because I was missing my friends my friends in other countries so bad, so yeah yeah,
0: well, I yeah. Just, so when you're, when you sit down to write, mm-hmm. um, do you sort of um, have to be in a certain mood, and I say this in the fact of let 's say there 's nobody home, you know the old mm-hmm. man and the kid's gone for let's say between 11 and three today. So can you just kind of plan it and go, okay, there's nobody here between 11 and three. I'll sit down and I'll write. Or do you, do you have to be turned into a certain mood in order to actually write?
1: You know what I, what flipped before I thought I had to be, you know, in this, in the a particular headspace to sit down and write. Um, and then I got my first artist grant where I actually had to deliver, you know, Right. in a in a finite amount of time. And I got that artist grant actually before my new publisher. Yeah. Sorry, I'm just trying to think timelines. So that and and I've spent the last 20 years as an environmental consultant. So for me, consulting work is very like you have to turn it on when you're at work and that's just it. And there's no like, you know, am I feeling like being a consultant today? Like that's just not how it flows in environmental consulting, right? Um and so I actually I had to turn on the consulting skill sets within me as I wrote um, not an easy truce because the grant was for that project. Um, Yeah. So I had to go, well, I don't know if the muse is going to talk today, but I have to get my butt in the chair and listen, you know, so I'm, so I'm available if the muse, the muse talks. And what I learned at least within my process is that every single time I have my butt in the chair, the muse talks and sometimes um, I actually have to write a scene I wasn't anticipating reading or writing, excuse me, that day, right? Like it might not be sequential because the characters talk to me as they talk to me. And, and I do different things to like set the tone. I have my own studio. um, And so I have a space in the house. I'm really lucky to have my own space so that I can have the ambiance, what it needs to be um, in order to like cultivate and nurture I'm sitting down to write. It's time to write. And it's like those cues, right? Like you can, um, all those sleep manuals, sleep manual like have a sleep, you know, ritual when you go to bed and you'll, yeah. you'll fall asleep easier, those sorts of things. Well, I, ha- I made different um, writing rituals, like, okay, this is what I'm going to do to prepare myself to get into the headspace to write. And it's actually been super effective. So mm. there is a lot of coffee involved. I will share. Yeah, there I was going to say, what, what
0: triggers do you use? Like some people use music, some people use uh, uh, drugs. I mean, like what? <laughs> yeah,
1: well, for me, caffeine, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I love caffeine and I've actually had, I keep it tempered. I have like two cups of a French press, like normal French press and one espresso a day. So I keep my coffees down to three a day, which yay, that's high for others and slow for yeah, low for still others. So coffee is part of my ritual and even like, Making the the French presses in the morning, like that's part of the ritual, of preparing for the day. Um, when I'm actually in my studio, depending on the scene, and de- and I, I'm a super intuitive writer. Um, well, actually tend to be in in, live life intuitively so sometimes I'll even I'll light incense or put the diffuser on if I'm like oh man I just need something I just need something to set this space I have a particular light that I turn on for certain things and another light I turn on for other work because I still do some environmental consulting work so yeah just setting basically it's like setting the stage for writing Um, yeah so it's and so far knock on wood it's been very effective
0: Well, and so what what is your research? What kind of research do you do to put together one of your books?
1: Well, I'm will. i so grateful for the Internet. I'll be honest, I don't know how authors did it before it, because I'll be writing, and then, like, for instance, at the start of this book where Lillian's actually, you know, she's being tried for treason, it's the courtroom. And then I actually looked up, well, where do those sorts of courts, what does that courtroom look like in the U.K.? And it, OK, it's in London. Where in London? Oh, it's the Old Bailey. Old Bailey. That sounds fascinating. What does that look like? <laughs> so um, I do a lot of research on the fly and the archaeology stuff I've done in the traditional knowledge studies and indigenous knowledge studies I've done. Research was a major part of the environmental consulting work that I've done. So it's what has that background has really helped me with researching quickly and effectively um, so that I can communicate it to um, to readers, right? Like, because I've never been to the Old Bailey courthouse in London or that courtroom. Like, um, but the internet provides me photos. It's amazing. Yeah, it's
0: <laughs> obviously. Good.
1: Yeah, when you research, you want to make sure that you're at a legit website and like these are for realty pictures and this is actually how it is. You know, so there's of course um, due diligence and checks and balances and stuff. But I will look up stuff as I go. When um, Colt uh, in um, Lillian's counterpart in here. Um, He's a bull rider. I've never ridden a bull before. I've attended rodeos. I've never ridden a bull. I've sat behind the chutes before. But again, like I needed... I needed to know how to explain things. So YouTube, man, YouTube, and I can't remember the fellow's name that I can't remember how many times I've watched his videos just to really get the nuances of it because I want to get it right and, and to have it come across as authentically and accurately as possible for the readers and to do service, right, to what I'm writing about. Um, I yeah. did not contact MI6 to check with their careers.
0: No, no, we know even better. You probably work for them. Come on. <laughs>
1: Well, I did yeah. immigrate to Canada, right? Well, There
0: we go. See, we know what's going on here. You got, you got exactly. this big plot. New, I think, you call it New World Order, right? You know, yeah. isn't it a band? <laughs> well, it was, but you know, uh, we're we're talking. We know what's going on here.
1: Secrets, yes, you know. the the fiction writers are taking over the world. Yeah. oh, of
0: course. One oh.
1: gentle review at
0: a time. <laughs> yeah, so it's, <all, laughs> it's all fake. Um, <laughs> Well, okay, so how do you like to interact with people, and what are, like, do you have social media, what do you like to share with readers, and also uh, website?
1: I am, um, nobody believes this, but I'm actually an introvert. My husband laughs when I say that, my mother-in-law laughs when I say that, but I really am, so interacting with readers, to me, I always have to, like, Um, psych myself up because again you're putting yourself out there and you really hope that your books resonated with somebody and it's so cute because I've had so many positive beautiful experiences with readers and I'm like why was I so nervous and worried so I do a lot of well before COVID I did a lot of in-person events a lot of guest appearances and stuff like that through COVID I've done a lot of zoom appearances and and like presented on stuff and and that sort of thing um I have a newsletter that I love. I love seeing when people open and like, yeah, respond and interact that way. Uh, Website. Yep. Social media. I'll be honest. I I talk more on social media during the warmer months. And I know that might sound weird, but I have a natural tendency to like hibernate when the fall and winter, fall and winter, and then like be more outgoing in spring and summer and then like super internal in fall and winter. So um, I wish I could like, be that author who's like sporadic on social media <laughs> and that be okay. You know, the rules of social media are like, you must be consistent and have great content always and yeah. post every day. And I'm like, Oh dude, that's not me. And the reader will know, like they'll know that I'm just like grasping for cool content. So I, uh, I try to go for quality and mm. not quantity for social media. So for your viewers who are awesome at social media, I, I am in awe at you and I applaud you, and I will aspire to be better at my social oh, media presence. <laughs> yeah,
0: what, so, what is your website then?
1: It is saracadesgram.com. I used to keep my fiction and nonfiction separate, but I just want to write. So, yeah, I was spending more time attending to websites and whatnot. So, yeah, I just amalgamated everything. So, it's um, yeah, saracadesgram.com.
0: Well, that's not too hard. We'll have that up on our website, and people can find you with one click in Sounds case good. they can't find it for themselves. And uh, I'll tell you, it's certainly been interesting. And, and you guys <laughs> actually have a summer months in Calgary?
1: You know, we do. We do. Although, um, yeah, it's been weird. It's It was like minus 20 this morning when I woke up, and I'm like, seriously? It's like March. Come on, guys. Come on. Come on, Mama Earth. It's March. Um, yes, it is crazy the weather here, um, but summer is coming. Summer is coming as our beverages on the back deck.
0: Yeah, it's summer coming. comes. <laughs> it's like it's June and all of a sudden it's September and you're getting the white stuff again.
1: Not yeah. yet, not yet, not ready for it yet.
0: <laughs> never, never ready for it, but anyway. Yeah. Well, it's been a great, great conversation. And um, the book we were talking about is Wild, Not Broken. And our guest has been the author or has been the guest is the author (laughs) Sarah Gades. Thanks for being here.
1: Thanks so much. I had a blast.
0: Get the latest news and opinions from Eric Shapiro from the House of Mystery website
1: in the Shapiro Report.
0: To find out more about our show
1: guests or to listen to past shows from our
0: archive please go to www.houseofmysteryradio.com